From the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWint. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to the Miami Real Estate Podcast. I'm Omar DeWint, Communications Executive here at Cervera Real Estate in sunny Miami. Today, we are talking about legal and professional standards updates, the most important ones that you may have missed if you were not in Orlando early August for the Florida Realtors Convention and Trade Expo. So joining me in the studio today for that conversation is a friend and colleague, the fabulous, the one and only Anna Lopez de Quintana, Executive VP of Sales and Operations here at Cervera. So Anna, thanks for coming in. Well, thank you so much, Omar. I'm so happy and excited to be here with you today. First of all, let me thank you uh, for uh, this wonderful um, podcast, uh, new innovation that uh, Cervera <laughs> is doing. Uh, it's uh, having a lot of success. So congratulations. Thank on that. you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. I know I had to like force it onto your phone. And <laughs> but we have some... I'm not a millennial. I'm not a millennial. No, but we're having fun. It's been uh, uh, it's been an interesting journey thus far early on. We've got a lot more cool things in the pipeline. So thanks for being a part of this, you know, these early stages. So today, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the top seven takeaways, uh, legal and professional standards updates from the Florida Realtors Convention. Uh, we're going to try to make it fun, keep it light. There's a lot of things to cover, everything from AI and blockchain to uh, ethics and fair housing uh, service animal updates. But um, before we get into that, I guess, why don't you tell me a little bit about the purpose of that convention and sort of for those out there who may want to go next year, what is the, the Florida Realtors Convention and Trade Expo about? Well, you know, uh, basically it's like any other convention that you might go to. Uh, there's a lot of um, companies that come to promote their businesses. So uh, that, that, that part of the uh, Trade Expo is very exciting because mm -hmm. you can always... Um, get new partners uh, for your company. Sure. Uh, you can identify new partners, uh, like I did uh, last year um, at the National Association of Realtors Con Convention, brought back some uh, some companies that we partnered with here at the company. You can, uh, that's part of what the Florida Realtors Convention and Expo does as well. And then there's education. Right. And uh, education, obviously, uh, this business is always changing. There's many aspects to it. So, so there's a lot to learn. And um, technology is always changing. So you've got to stay on top of it. So, so education and, you know, people, it's a people business connecting, getting out there. And also networking. Uh, you know, there's hundreds of agents, brokers, um, managers uh, from the real estate industry come to these. Uh, to this event. Uh, so it's a great networking opportunity for you. Well, and I understand, you know, a lot of our realtors are, are busy. Sometimes they can't get up there for one reason or another. So we appreciate you going and, you know, spending those those two days up there and uh, breaking this down for anybody who may have missed these very important updates. So let's get into it. Uh, first and foremost, at the top of the list was a update on news for teams, uh, changes to FREC regulations on advertising. So tell me a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the biggie. The what everybody's talking about now. It's all about teams out there and how um, 
that's the way the industry is going. Um, agents are creating teams. Sure. Very um, effective. Yes. So, However, uh, when they advertise, there are some things to be aware of, correct? Correct, correct. Uh, there is a new rule out, and basically, and I'll just read it to you. It sure. says, all advertisements containing the team or group name shall not appear in larger print than the name or logo of the registered brokerage. Okay. And... Furthermore, all advertising must be in a manner in which reasonable persons would know they are dealing with a team or group. Now, to be able to do that, because see, Freck, what Freck wants to do is to protect the public, right? Okay. So what was going on with uh, the teams is that the public was getting confused. They were thinking that these teams were actual companies or independent brokerages. Mm, I see. So it's kind of, it's false advertising. It's almost considered false advertising. So to get away from that, there have been a couple of impositions or a couple of rules set for the team logos itself. And you and said, the, sorry, first before you get in that, that first and foremost, a logo of the team has to be the same size or equal size of the brokerage's logo, correct? Yes, it ha it cannot be larger anymore because what was happening was that the team logo in an advertising was huge and then the brokerage logo was very small in, you know, off in, in another corner of the advertisement. So then the public or the consumer reading or looking at the advertisement basically would think, that that team is the company. Sure. So now the team name cannot include certain words. Such as? As well as the logo, uh, the, the size of the logo cannot be larger than the size of the brokerage's logo. And, and you mentioned uh, words or the other aspects. Right. So the name. So there's two aspects, right? The visual, the right. size of the logo. Got it. And then the, uh, well, the this written. is visual also, which is written uh, on the name. So the name cannot include words like agency or associates or corporation or properties or real estate or realty. So, for example, you cannot have a team or group name that says uh, ABC Group Agency or ABC Team Inc., or ABC Real Estate. Interesting. I'm sure there's a, a number of teams out there of not in compliance with that one. Right, right. So And they have actually until July 1 of next year, correct? To yes, that's the good news, you know, because obviously you have to go back to the drawing board, you know, technically or graphically. So it obviously it takes going to take some time to change logos and change all, everything that you have, your website, everything. Uh, so they are giving us until July 1st of 2019 to comply, but you've got to start working on it now. Absolutely. And are, are there any other aspects to the compliance uh, required by either the team or the brokerage? Yeah. As a matter of fact, the team has to have a designated licensee to ensure advertising compliance. So they actually have to name somebody on the team that will look into this and make sure that they are being compliant. And of course, the broker um, has to make sure that they know 
who is part of the team. So they have to keep a written record, a monthly written record of who the team members are. Interesting. And I have written here in the notes for this permissible activities of an unlicensed assistant. Well, yes, uh, I made myself a little note about that because, um, you know, teams, one of the things that teams usually include is a unlicensed assistant. And it's very important to note that those assistants cannot engage in certain activities. Uh, basically, I'm not going to go into all the all those activities here, but basically they can only perform administrative work and only give information that is printed like on an MLS brochure, et cetera, about properties or, 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 or some information that the realtor has given them. Got it. So then to recap on this one, the biggest, you know, update coming out of the, the convention for legal and professional standards update was change uh, impact on team advertising rules logos the same size and if you're miami's best real estate team out there and you're listening uh, you're going to want to go ahead and start changing that name uh, very soon so all right perfect let's move on uh, next we have artificial intelligence so tell me a little bit about the updates regarding that front yeah definitely one of the disruptors right we go back <laughs> to that uh, to that word uh, as a matter of fact, just taking, uh, going off a little bit of a side, but uh, I'll be referring we to, love it to it later. Here, so yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a great article in this month's uh, Realtor Magazine, and the actually the face or the cover of Realtor Magazine this month is disruption. Uh, it's a big word, disruption, and uh, there's quite a few uh, takeaways from there, and I'll be talking about that. Uh, later on today. Okay. But one of those disruptors definitely is artificial intelligence and the new, new thing. Of course, we've talked about artificial intelligence as being able to crunch through data, right? Uh, making uh, making data or inter the interpretation of data uh, a lot easier. But the newest thing is that we're going to be able to ask Alexa where a property is or to do property searches for us. Interesting. So, yes, it is very interesting. And uh, uh, I thought, you know, you always got to sit in on a class of uh, uh, artificial intelligence because it is just growing by leaps and bounds and it's uh, what they're doing is just incredible. So help me understand how that's going to work sort of like, Practically speaking, are you mean if I'm at home and I'm curious to find a property, you know, buy a rent or, or whatnot, I could say, Alexa, tell me about properties in this neighborhood or? Correct. And that's exactly right. And is she just going to start listing a number of properties? I feel like that's hard to, hard information to, you know, to, for her to recite. Yeah. Well, um, it, that's exactly what they're doing. How to, uh, property search, you can do a property search using Alexa. And uh, again, the technology is evolving. Uh, obviously, the present the presentation was done by a group that's actually doing this already. Mm -hmm. They're out of uh, New Jersey, and um, they're working with this uh, up there. So it's in place now. It's actually oh yeah yeah. It's actually it's actually being worked on, and and we could even incorporate it as part of the uh, as part of the Cervera. Uh, 
um, uh, services as well as we I mean this is what's going to happen it's coming. sure yeah it's, it's coming down the 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 pike but so this is I guess so I can understand it better is it something where if anybody right now asks about any property or neighborhood then she'll break that down for you or you have to as a broker or an agent sort of buy a service to allow Alexa to do that do you know what I'm asking well of course yes you have to you, you have to hire this company this company from New Jersey right to be able to do all the programming and all the work Got all it. The, uh, you know the behind the scenes okay so that you know well um, and uh, so and if you have their info later I can add it to the show notes for any listeners um, that are you know interested in, in exploring this that sounds interesting and sure. to, your, to your point about interpreting data I feel like that could be uh, and also scary in terms of, you know, the realtor and the human side of the business. But if Alexa is able to give you a breakdown in sort of that local knowledge of the context of the neighborhoods and the properties and, you know, the recent values, comparative market analysis and whatnot, uh, it's a, definitely a benefit to the customer. But uh, it, it puts more onus on the realtors themselves to, you know, have as much knowledge as possible so that you can add value to the equation and you're not getting sort of uh, booted, so to speak, or, or pushed aside by Alexa. No, absolutely. I think uh, we've talked about uh, this ad nauseum, I think, in the industry, and I think we're all in agreement that the realtor is not going to be going away. However, you're absolutely right. The realtor has to uh, evolve um, get educated in all the technology that's coming new, and, and, and you have to pretty much get on board and be able to interpret and help the customer sift through the data and make uh, decisions that are good for them. Absolutely. So we're here once again on the Miami Real Estate Podcast for our listeners. We're talking to Ana Lopez de Quintana, Executive Vice President of Sales and Operations here at Cervera. We're going through the most important legal and professional standards updates that you may have missed at the recent Florida Realtors Convention and Trade Expo that took place in Orlando uh, August 8th and 9th. So Anna, speaking of technology and disruptors, what better way to follow up AI than to talk about blockchain? Yeah, So blockchain. tell me what's happening there. This is a hot topic. Yeah, very hot topic. You know, as a, of course, it came about at, uh, because of the whole Bitcoin thing. But now blockchain is actually a technology that is is being used and will con will be used in different industries, and real estate is um, is definitely one of those. Sure. And what are some of the benefits or applications, let's say, of blockchain in real estate? Well, let me let me just start out by quoting uh, what blockchain is from the article. Um, in, in the uh, magazine, in the mm -hmm. Realtor magazines that I mentioned earlier. Sure. Uh, it says, the blockchain, this technology is really about many chains of information. Think of a line of boxes, each containing a compressed chunk of information. The entire chain is stored locally by every participate participant, mm -hmm. making the whole system less prone to hacking because the data is distributed among members. So uh, I thought that was very clear to understand. So if you picture boxes, a chain of boxes, and each of those boxes represent information, mm -hmm. and um, all the participants in a transaction, for example, um, the buyer, the seller, the the attorneys, mm -hmm. uh, the the inspection company, the mortgage broker, the title company, etc., uh, would all be able to access 
all the information or all the blocks um, it's fully real transparent, time, right? And it's fully transparent. So um, I like to refer to it as a digital receipt. You know, it's it's very much just that paper trail the, in digital format. It's a paper tra trail, definitely in digital uh, format, and uh, it it is going to uh, be used not only for transactions, but where it's first going to be used mm -hmm. is, or the application we feel sure. is going to be used in the recording of property titles. Okay. And that's something that the article goes into as well as other, um, uh, other issues, which I won't explain. I'll sure. let you guys go to the, go to the magazine. Well, actually, and, and I'll, I'll take this opportunity to do a shameless plug for a Severa blog, but we have mm -hmm. two great articles there regarding one, a realtor's guide to Bitcoin and its applications, right? And kind of what you were just alluding to now. And then we also have uh, a guide to blockchain made easy. So I will also be sure to share both of those in the show notes along with the link to the magazine. So in general, this is, I think, good news. It increases transparency, I think, for those conversations that are had out there regarding uh, dirty money or is there dirty money coming in or coming uh, out? Uh, I don't know about out, but dirty money coming in to this or any other market. I guess blockchain, in theory, would help to just improve the transparency of the transaction and the source of funds. Absolutely. And now with all the all the fraud that we're looking at uh, and seeing in the industry because the more digital we get, you know, the crooks find ways to hack and, and to um, try to do things that, that are illegal mm -hmm. and, of course, benefit from that. Uh, this, this aspect of it, the security aspect of blockchain is very important. It's uh, like, like I mentioned, it's a lot less likely that it can be hacked because each of the participants have to uh, basically authenticate or sure. authorize the uh, the information. Right. Each of them. So, and in in short, the takeaway is you know get up to speed, get informed uh, on blockchain and all of these technologies that are impacting or will impact the industry because uh, you don't want to get blindsided. Speaking of illegal activity or let's say lack thereof, the next topic that we have is ethics. Uh, the amendment to the standard of practice that recently was introduced. So tell me about what's going on uh, in this front. Yes, there was. Uh, there's an amendment to the standard of practice one through seven uh, for 2019, and I'll just uh, read it to you, and then I'll explain it. Mm -hmm. It says, upon the request of a cooperating broker who submits an offer to the listing broker, the listing broker shall provide written affirmation to the cooperating broker stating that the offer has been submitted to the seller or a written notification that the seller has waived the obligation to have the offer presented. So this is very, very exciting because what was going on and has been going on for years and years and years, forever actually, is that um, uh, a um, realtor representing a buyer presents an offer, right, to the listing realtor, and it goes into a black hole. You know, nobody gets back to the selling realtor uh, about uh, the about the offer, whether it got presented, whether it didn't, whether it was accepted, etc. So obviously you can see that it's very frustrating not only for the realtor but for the buyer who is 
you know, the public. Remember the conversation about how we always try to pr protect the, the public, or mm -hmm. at least FRAC does. I sure. mean, that's their, their job, right? The selling uh, broker, that they will get confirmation that the offer was presented or that the seller waived the obligation to have the offer presented? Well, the idea, the main takeaway is that now, see, it wasn't illegal and it wasn't unethical to not get back to the buyer's uh, broker or buyer's agent. Um, so obviously I thought, and we all think it was at least rude mm -hmm. not to do so, right? So you put in an offer and then you just wouldn't hear back. Wouldn't the... hear back. It would go into a black hole. Now, if, and this is a caveat, if the selling realtor asks for the, the listing realtor does not have to automatically give the information, but if the selling realtor requests to know whether the offer was presented or not, they do have to answer you and put it in and put it in writing or tell you that the, that the seller refused they waived to, the right. Yeah, to uh, to entertain to entertain the offer, but now you you can request some some information and you are going to receive it, or you can actually, you know, uh, go and put in a um, a complaint now for that, so which you couldn't questions. before. Two questions for you on this. Number one is: Is there a time frame in which the selling broker has to get back to? Uh, the buyer's broker? Uh, no, there is no time frame. So it's just a general sort of common courtesy professional 42, 48, 72 hours a week or so. And if you follow up, you're saying they basically have to get back to you. Otherwise, you can file a complaint. Exactly. And then this is in effect right now? Uh, it's, uh, it's the change coming up to the standard of practice 1 through 7 for 2019. So starting January 1 of next year. Yes. Got it. Okay, interesting. Uh, that's good news, as you said. And then what else? Uh, we have fair housing and, and service animals. What's going on on that front? Oh, yes, that's, uh, that's a hot topic. You know, now with um, uh, most of the millennials uh, not millennials. having babies, <laughs> not having babies, but having animals as their babies. Actually, and my wife and I just got a dog, speaking of which. I know, and you definitely <laughs> qualify as a millennial. Yes, uh, Yes. barely yeah. made it. I'm on the good side of millennials, though, you know, before okay. uh, before all the bad rap that, that the curve one's looking at me like, what? Right. Um, but I digress. So, yes, millennials love puppies and dogs and pets. Yes. So tell me more about this. Yes, so um, fair housing, uh, as you know, has the protected classes of race, color, religion, national origin, sex, disability, disability, and familial status. I'll mm -hmm. talk about the, the fair housing first, and then I'll go into the service, service animals. animals. Yeah. The main takeaway that, that I got from there, from there, and that I want to share with our listeners is that there are additional uh, protected classes mm -hmm. uh, because, because it can, the state can impose them. And we, in our uh, Miami-Dade County, Broward, Pinellas, and several counties here in Florida, mm -hmm. um, the additional protected classes are gender identity, mm -hmm. sexual orientation, mm -hmm. source of income, for example, Section 8, and that's a hot one. I'll come back to that. Yeah, I was going to ask how you define that. Yeah, victims of dating violence or domestic violence or stalking. 
Wow. Or, and this one's the funny one. Everybody gets a <laughs> chuckle out of the next one. Political affiliation. Oh, my yes, God. Yes, Surrey Bob. Well, you, if you you're need... a Democrat and you didn't want a Republican living in your <laughs> in your place, uh, there must have this must be happening out there because now you're uh, it's it's official. It. You can't do it. Oh you can't uh, discriminate <laughs> based on political affiliation. That's but I did want to get back to the uh, source of income. That's a hot topic right. Mm-hmm. Now with the Section Eight specifically, okay, um, Tell because me more about them. yeah, they are out there trolling uh, and and trying to catch brokers not helping or turning away renters that are on assistance or on a program that is called Section Eight from the government. Basically, it's there's su- it's a subsidy for their rental payments. Okay. So you can't discriminate against anybody on Section Eight. That's right. Uh, the problem is, and the, the problem is, and I and I understand. I understand the realtors, the realtors' point of view, and I understand uh, the government's point of view uh, on this. From the realtor side, there's very few properties listed that are available for Section Eight. See, the um, the landlord has to have the property qualify for the program. So there's certain uh, things that have to be up to par in the in the property, and it has to be inspected, et cetera, et cetera. Therefore, you know, as you can see, that really limits the pool of properties that there is. So it's a very, very, very tight market. Uh, so it's virtually impossible to help them if there are no properties to put them in. Mm-hmm. So that's the on the realtor side. Uh, you know, on the government side, I can understand how when somebody calls in and they just don't want to deal with it, they just said, no, I'm sorry, we don't deal with it. And they hang up on the person. And now the public has no help. Sure. So uh, they've realtors now have you've got to try to help uh, people that call in and that have this form of payment, for As they example. should. So that's yes. a good uh, it's a good addition to the protected mm-hmm. classes. What about uh, service animals and assistance animals? Yes. Uh, well, the main thing now is the emotional support animals, right? It's the, the latest thing. And basically, landlords are required to provide reasonable assistance and reasonable accommodations for service animals, whether they be uh, assistance animals uh, uh, or emotional emotional support support animals. And furthermore, uh, it's the, the new addition says that landlords cannot charge the tenant a pet fee or a deposit uh, for the service animal. However, the landlord does have a backup if the service animal creates havoc in the in the unit or in the property. They can go against the tenant security deposit at the end of the lease. And uh, so, Anna, tell me, what are the main takeaways? Uh, I'm a broker. What do I need to, you know, how do I act on this? Well, it's very important to write internal policies and procedures um, covering this because, of course, like I mentioned at, at the beginning uh, of the program, uh, the broker is always responsible for everything. So e- 
even though we don't know what the agent is doing out there, if they're doing something wrong, we're responsible. So that $1,500 violation actually goes to the broker, not to the agent. Uh, you know, that's a good question. We'll find out about that. We'll fact check that. Yes. <laughs> so, but the, the broker then, in, uh, as you were saying, the takeaways. Yes. Write internal policies and procedures. Mm -hmm. uh, train the agents or train the personnel on how to comply. And then you have to monitor compliance. Perfect. So that's what you want to do to make sure you and or your agents are not getting hit with those $1,500 fines. And last but not least, in terms of uh, the biggest updates, we have the undertaker's doctrine. I don't like the sound of that. It's a little gloomy, right? <laughs> well, there are actually two major cases that they talked about, and I'll just go over them very, sure. uh, very uh, briefly. It's the undertaker's doctrine. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds kind of funky, right? <laughs> but uh, they, uh, they call it that because and and i'll just read it sure. it says there is liability if you undertake quotation oh, okay. uh, see that's that's where it comes from sure undertake an act exercise reasonable care which results in increased harm to the beneficiary or the beneficiary relies upon one providing the service and is harm. So that's a little bit technical. Yeah, if you could break that down. Yeah, for me. I'll break it down very easy. <laughs> I just had a flashback to like high school geometry. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very, it's very easy. Basically, you cannot promise as a realtor to do something mm -hmm. and then not do it and not be held responsible. And uh, basically, it came from a case where the realtor at a walkthrough, this was a rental, it, it, and it always happens, right? Rentals are the, 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 the most difficult transactions sometimes. <laughs> I think rentals are, are good for realtors. You know, you build relationships, could be a long-term client. Absolutely, but they're, they're they sometimes, yeah, sometimes they're, they're a so lot of trouble. So what happened in this case? Well, in this case... Uh, you, you know, they noticed a couple of things at the walkthrough that had to be uh, corrected. And the realtor said, hey, no problem. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. No problem whatsoever. The tenants moved in. It wasn't taken care of. It got worse. Uh, and um, basically the, the court decided that the realtor was responsible because they had represented to the tenant that they would take care of it. Hmm. And even though we're transaction brokers and we don't have a fiduciary responsibility uh, uh, to our customers, in other words, we have customers, not clients, um, we have to uh, do what we say and say what we do. Mm -hmm. And it's actually in the last um, uh, responsibility that we do have to the customer in as as part of the transaction uh, broker uh, responsibilities. So so basically, don't overpromise, or if you are going to commit to something, then do it. That's right. Say what you do and do what you say. I like it. And what was the other case you wanted to talk about? The other case is Diaz v. Kosh, and basically uh the seller was awarded eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars in attorney's fees and costs and uh you know basically the t main takeaway from this is that the the florida realtors uh 
bar contract or as we normally call it far bar Mm -hmm. contract uh at the as is is a contract that is pretty clear the court decided and since it's so clear the buyer had an option to take an action and they didn't Mm -hmm. and the the contract prevailed so basically that was it all right anna uh final thoughts i'd like to always leave our listeners with some uh motivation or positive message uh anything that you want to leave us with uh as we end this show oh well you know it's interesting that you mentioned that because i was uh definitely uh very impressed by one of the presentations um it's um, called was called ma- magic mindset, mm-hmm. What's you know, that about? and it's how to. They talked about how to get refocused mm-hmm. and how to get uh, re-energized and uh, obviously trying to reach all your goals. And you know, it it's really funny because it just came back down to the basics. The bottom line there was you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan to follow. So, um, you know, I haven't talked about anything about sales and <laughs> my, my, uh, uh, my title is sales and operations. So I'll leave you with some, um, with some insight as to how to get focused and how to in, uh, increase your, your production. I and basically, yeah, basically it comes right back down to the basic and is you have to focus on income producing activities. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, you know, the income producing activities are basically five. You have to prospect, right? Prospecting. You've got to talk to people and let them know that you're an agent. You can't be a secret, a secret agent, agent, right? <laughs> And then once you have a prospect, you have to follow up with that prospect. So lead follow-up is very important. And it's where most agents drop the ball. Uh, you know, they talk to people, they, they're at a, uh, a mixer, they get a card, the person says they might be interested in buying or selling, and then the agent never follows up. Can you imagine? Then that defeats the whole purpose. That's (laughs) right. So lead follow up, very important. Then you need to pre-qualify. Let's say you did follow up, you got that appointment, you need to pre-qualify to make sure that it's going to be worth your time to sit in front of that buyer or seller. And what are some of those good uh, pre-qualification tactics? Well, obviously, f- with a buyer, you want to make sure that they're, they have the ability to buy. In other words, financial ability, and then that they have the motivation to buy. Because if mm. they don't have the ability and they don't have the motivation, you're going to run around mm-hmm. showing a bunch of properties and never get to the finish line, right? Yep. So you want to make sure that you are sitting with people that really have to buy or have to sell. Okay. So prospecting, lead follow-up, pre-qualifying, what else? That's right. Well, now you got to go present to them, right? Ooh. Now you've got to either get the buyer in your office, right? And pre- give them a nice presentation as to why they should use you. And, uh, or if you're um, going to a listing presentation, well, then of course, um, sell on on getting t- taking that listing so you have to present right mm-hmm. to get signatures you have to go on presentations and finally negotiating those contracts 
you have to be a re really good negotiator and um, it's actually one, a little plug here for Rabbi, uh, the R-E-N-E -E designation, the real estate negotiation expert designation you oh. can get and make sure that you bring it back to the, to the, um, uh, to the close. Uh, by Always negotiating be your, That's right. That's also the motto of our Chevrolet kickball team. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting, actually. I want to have you back on the show to talk about magic mindset and get to uh, tap some of your, your sales knowledge. Um, and so hopefully we'll have you back here soon. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. So, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. This was the top seven takeaways from the Florida Realtors uh, Annual Convention and Trade Expo. Next one's coming up next year, I imagine, around this time, right, Anna? From the legal, from the legal Legal, and, legal yeah. and, uh, and sales updates, correct? Yeah, because so, there were a lot of other things that were, were talked about. Well, I hope you guys also had time to have some fun up there, too. Yeah, well, let me tell you, it's a it's a lot of work, but definitely you always you always have fun. I have great pictures too. Oh, okay, perfect. We got to check them out. So, guys, we'll leave it there. Thanks again. Hope you uh, took away some some uh, value here, and we'll see you next week. Now for happy hour, right? Oh, almost time. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and we certainly enjoyed making it. We hope you will come back. We've got some more great content dedicated to informing, intriguing, and inspiring Miami real estate professionals. Where can you find us? We're on the podcast store, wherever podcasts are available. That's iTunes, of course. We're also on Podbean, Spotify, Audible, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can even ask Alexa about us. Go ahead and visit Cervera.com slash blog. That's where our newsroom is located. We've got some more great content there as well, market reports, and more. You can sign up for our newsletter there. Connect with us on social at Cervera RE or send us an email, Miami Real Estate Podcast at Cervera.com. We would love to hear from you. So from all of us here in Miami, where the future is always bright, until next time.